Thank you, Pastor. Good morning. Good to see everybody this morning. I got family in from North Carolina that surprised me yesterday. Did not expect them. We went to, over to Midway and they had their trunk or treat since my kids had a soccer game for our trunk or treat. And we went over there so that my kids, we don't celebrate Halloween. So we wanted to give them that alternative. Uh, so we went over there to do that and they surprised me. So I thank them for coming up. My, my father's here and his wife and my sister is here from Midway as well. So I thank them all for coming out. Uh, today we're going to be in a couple places. I'm going to start in 1 John, uh, 1 John chapter 4. We're going to read uh, half, about half the chapter and then we'll flip over to 1 Corinthians and that will be where our text is. Uh, before I get into it, I wanted to uh, talk about William and uh, Manny. We went to camp this year. William was a senior, and I, I had him come and tag along anyways, even though he just graduated. And th- those, uh, those teens, they, they grabbed that guitar and that uh, uh, mandolin. That's what, I think that's what it was. They, they were playing it and uh, got the whole entire boys' cabin. They were all singing. Every, every, every night they got to singing, and uh, by the end of the week, they wanted to sing for one of the services, which was pretty cool. If you guys were here for when we did the video, they did an awesome job. Um, and I, I really do appreciate all that William is doing in the youth group with the, uh, the music. Um, so today, before we get started, I wanted to uh, read something that I found. It says, a Hindu manufacturer told Stanley Jones why he had come to one of his meetings years ago when I was a boy I heckled a missionary preacher in the bazaar, threw tomatoes at him. He wiped them off his face, or wiped the uh, juice off his face, and then after the meeting, took us to a sweet shop and bought us sweets. I saw the love of Christ that day, and that is why I'm here. So, let's go ahead and go over to 1 John. 1 John chapter 4, 7 through 21. 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth God, for God is love. Is or in this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us. And his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us. Because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to the Savior, or to be the Savior of the world. Whatsoever or whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And when he, when have known uh, and believed that the love of, that God hath to us, God is love. 
And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein, or herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because he, as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out all fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. In or If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God, whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that we who loveth God, loveth his brother also. And then go ahead and flip over to... First Corinthians. Sorry, I'm going to be all over today. First Corinthians chapter 13. And we're going to read the whole chapter real quick. And then be patient. I'm not, I'm not long, I promise. Um, but all this is important. So, so though I speak with, you, with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or as tinkling cymbals. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mystery, and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemingly, seeking, or seeketh not her own, and not easily provoked, thinking no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecy, they shall fail, whether there be tongue, they shall cease, whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, that, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then the face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I also am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. and We thank you for another opportunity to open your book, to get into it, get into the pages, and to hear what you have for us. Lord, we thank you for what you, the charity and the love that you showed all of us by dying on the cross that we could have eternal life. Lord, I ask you this morning to use this message, help the people here get something out of it that they may apply it to their lives, that they can make a difference in this world. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to talk about in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 through 13, we see three things that... Uh, that charity does. 
we see in verse number one, we see that, number one, it's a motive, or it motivates. The motive of charity is important. If you just give something, it, 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 won't, it, it won't be worth anything if it's not with love, right? So, you may have great ways of inspiring spiritual communications. We see this in verse 1. But it says, if you have not charity, it, it, it just goes by. It, it doesn't have the impact that it could have if you do it in love. We also see in verse 2 that it may be very compassionate. It says, and, and though I have the gifts of prophecy. The gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have all faith, so I could remove mountains. But if I have not charity, I have nothing. Again, we see that you may have the understanding of scriptures. But if you do not have charity and do it with love, I've, I've been taught this multiple ways, or multiple times the hard way. That if, if you don't have love towards the people that you're talking to, they will not receive what you're trying to teach them. Because you're just words. It's not the love that, that God wants us to show when we, when we speak about it. So we have that in verse 1 and 2, and then in verse 3 was the... the uh, you can be very compassionate. You can have all these things and you can feed the poor and you can have all the motives. The world does that. The world, the world gives and, and helps people in hunger, but it, it's the love of Christ inside of us that we share with other people that make the difference, that shows Christ. We are of the world, but we are not in it. We're in it, but not of it, right? So we, we live our life here, but we are to be separated. So that when we share love and do things for Christ, we do it with love, and that's what makes it different. So we see that the, the motive of charity is important. We also see that the manifestation of charity is irrefutable. If we see through verses 4 through 7, we see that uh, it's easy to recognize. When somebody is a Christian and they're, they're sharing something or they're, they're giving you something and they're doing it out of love and out of charity... Uh, you know that they're, they're a Christian. You can tell there's a difference in it. It's not just them just giving you something. It's more. It's coming from God. And then we also see the magnificence of charity is indisputable. We see how it ended in verse 13. It said that all these things are important, right? Faith, hope, and charity. They're all three important, but the greatest of them is charity. So what would happen if we spent more time focused on love instead of self, pride, bitterness, and criticism. This world is all surrounded by those things. What I can do, how much I can receive, somebody else made me upset, uh, and we need to get back to our focus on charity and, and get, get put on glasses to look through the glasses and see through charity. So, I have four ways that we can do this. These are my applications. They're kind of in the middle. But these are my applications. Think the best of them. So if we go over to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. We see that it says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever... Things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely. Um, 
whatsoever, oh wait, yeah, whatsoever things are uh, good, report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Think of the best of them. No matter who they are, no matter what they have, maybe, maybe somebody has done something to you, but think the best of them. That is how we can show charity to other people. Then, the next application will be refuse to be offended by them. Refuse to be offended by them. If we flip over to Psalms, Psalms chapter 119, 165, it says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and, have, and nothing shall offend them. I understand we are all humans and we all get offended and people step on our toes, but try not to allow it to offend us. Let it, let it go. Christ has forgiven much of us. We should also forgive much of other people. So the first application, again, think the best of them. Number two was refuse to be offended by them. Then we go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Sorry, I'm hopping you guys all over the place. Ephesians chapter 4. And we see that we let go of the past wrongs. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32. It says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So, not only do we think the best of them, not only do we refuse to offend them, but we also let go of past wrongs. Again, this goes back to to Christ's love for us is way beyond what we, we actually showed other people. And we need to get back to focusing on charity. And my last application would be see the needs of them. See the needs of them. If we go back to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And verse 3 through 8. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 8. It says, Let nothing be done through strife and vainglory, but in loneliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things but every man also on the things of others. Let the mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient even unto death, or unto death, even the death of the cross. We see here that, that we have done so much, and, but God knows that we needed so much more. So we see here that Christians, when we, when we get tempted to complain about and criticize someone else, uh, I hope that we have a different motto, a different loving motto of work on me, and pray for others. Work on me and pray for others. When somebody may, may step on your toes or may say something bad, I, I, I hope that we can show the charity by 
showing love for them and knowing that we're not perfect either. So we must remember it's not our powerful preaching and the altars lined with people that convinces a lost world that we truly are followers of the Lord. We could have a a big congregation. We could have a ton of people at the altar all the time. But that is not what the world sees that we are Christians. They see the love of God and that is how they, they know that we are His. So we see that we see that if we flip over to the, my last place today, flip over to John chapter thirteen. John chapter thirteen, uh, we read thirty four through thirty five. John thirteen thirty four through thirty five. It says, "A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, and also, and ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one for another." This is what matters. This is, this is where people see Christ. I tell the youth group all the time, we are the Jesus that people see. Jesus is not walking around, it's us. Jesus lives inside of us. And because he lives inside of us, that is who people see, and that is when they see, can see Jesus. So it, based upon how we live, and how we show love, and how we react to situations, and how we handle ourselves, that is how people see Christ. So I'm going to close with a quote. I, again, I told you I'm very quick. I'm sorry. I'm not real long-winded. But I'm going to end with a quote from John's wonderful gospel of 1983. It says, A church with love is a cl- without love is a club. Christians without love is a piece of cold machinery. An informed mind must be supported by a warm heart. The strength of the assembly is assured not by the influx of new members, but by the deepening affection of those already there. It is not based upon how many people we have here, but how much we love one another and how much we love the world and showing Christ's love to them. So I hope that I have challenged you today. I'm going to turn it back over to Brother Steve. Thank you guys for having me. Well, there's a lot to process there. Uh, I was furiously trying to take notes as Josh was running through that. Just, you know, I guess just to review a couple of things that challenged me from what, what Josh had to share there. How is your charity? How is my love? If someone were, maybe put this into context, even my neighbor's some of which I, I know fairly well, some of which I don't know at all. Um, the last verse that Josh read, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one for another. How is your love? Do people conclude by observing your behavior That basically says, you know, there's no other way to explain this. The the incredible love that they have for each other than the reality that they must be Christians. There's just no other way to explain that. Boy, does that define us today? Does that define us among our unsaved friends, whether it be neighbors or coworkers? 
Josh said at the very beginning, the nature or the motive of, char- of charity, the motive of love is giving. Again, how are you doing there? You say, well, Brother Steve, I love, I love my neighbors. I love my coworkers. I love my church family. I, I, I love people that I, I don't even really know because I have a desire to uh, see them come to a saving knowledge of the Lord. So what's the evidence of that? Again, the motive of charity is giving. Where do we see that from? Well, we see that from our Lord. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Galatians 2.20. Look over there real quick. Many of you have this verse memorized, and that's a good verse to memorize. I've memorized it in the past. I know I would botch it if I tried to share it from memory at the moment. But it says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live by faith, by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. He who loved me and gave himself for me. So all of us, there was none of us here in this room today would probably refute anything that, uh, that Josh would say or I would say about the importance and the necessity of loving. But the question is, how are we doing? Is there evidence in my life that I truly love as God commands me to love? Again, 1 Corinthians 13, a chapter we're all familiar with. You may have all these things, but without love, without charity, you have nothing. Nothing. Think the best of them. Refuse to be offended by them. When was the last time you were offended? Maybe you were offended on your drive to church this morning. We talked about this in my Sunday school class last week or the week before. Some guy passed me on a residential street. I'm an old man. I drive slow now. And they passed me. And I got offended. I wanted to catch up with them and pass them. I wanted to drive even slower in front. I mean, just the thoughts that go through your mind on the way to church on a Sunday morning. Refuse to be offended. You know, if you're a member of a Baptist church, and many of you are members of Columbia Road Baptist Church here, I'll apologize in advance, but I will do something that will offend you at some point. If I've not already done it before, I've been offended by many of you that I love and care for. It's just kind of the the nature of how things go when sinful, fallen human beings that do love each other interact with each other. You will be offended. Someone will sit in your pew. Someone will take your parking spot. Someone will cut in line at a fellowship before you. I mean, on and on and on you could go. But um, will you think the best of them? Will you give them the benefit of the doubt? Will you refuse to be offended? Will you change your thinking? That's why I love Philippians 4.8 that Josh shared. What sort of things are true and honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report? Think on these things. That's the command there, right? And so what that implies very clearly is that we can change how we think. Amen? 
we can change it. Some people say, I can't help what I think. I, you know, he passed me, I got offended. And I started you know, plotting my revenge, so to speak. Well, we can change how we think. That's a choice every single one of us has to make, needs to make. Uh, when someone calls the church and asks for help, and that still happens probably once a week, and the first thought that runs through the mind of me if I take that call is, I wonder what their angle is. I wonder what their scam is. And that does happen quite frequently, and I have been scammed. One person that I helped at a hotel called me up from another hotel the following week and started in the exact same story, and I kind of let him go with it. And I said, you know, you don't remember me, but we spoke last week. Remember I met you up at this hotel and I gave you a gift card from our church to help you with your need. And so over time, you start to think the worst of people as opposed to thinking the best of people. There's just another person that's scamming, trying to take advantage of the good people of our church and so forth. But, um, boy, I have to fight against that because, um, again, I need to see people as the Lord sees them. We need to see people as the Lord sees them. And we need to give the benefit of the doubt. And we need to express love. And we need to let the Lord work all that stuff out, right? Leave it up to the Lord. Let go of past wrongs. Again, I love Ephesians 4 because it talks about how we as Christians do all these things. How we live this impossible life of loving others when we stop doing certain things and start doing others. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and malice, as verse 31 says, be put away from you. Stop doing that. Believer. And that's the context of Ephesians 4 is to believers. We hear hear all these great promises in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 about all the benefits we have as believers. And then 4, 5, and 6 of Ephesians 4 says, in light of these things, here's how you live now the Christian life. So stop being angry. Stop being bitter. Stop being full of malice. Stop using filthy communication. But, it says, be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. I didn't deserve to be forgiven. In essence, I spit in the face of Christ over and over again to his free gift of salvation. I don't need that. I'm a good boy. But uh, Christ showed grace and kindness and tenderness toward me because I needed it. And uh, I couldn't be good enough. I wasn't a good boy, even though I thought I was. Can you do that? Again, just think of the people you love. And be ye kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. So you have to give. If you really love, if you're going to express charity, you have to give. Especially when it's not earned or deserved or merited. And that's what true love does, right? That's the love we experienced from our Lord, who loved us. God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners unloving, 
unfaithful, deserving of God's wrath, deserving of eternal punishment. In spite of all that, God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So how are you doing with your love? Oh, yes, we know we are to love. And some people are very easy to love. We live in a world today that uh, has turned its back on God. And there's a lot of people that are very, very hard to love. Can you love them? Can you speak the truth to them in love? Can you offer grace when it's unearned, undeserved, unmerited? Isn't that not what the Lord did to each one of us? And so we need to be people of love. I'm afraid that most our, our world today can't even understand the idea of, or, or, or process the idea of coming to the conclusion to say, the only thing that can explain the way they love each other is that they must be Christians. That is a foreign concept today. And so let's change that, right? Let's determine purpose in our hearts to love each other, to look over offenses, to think the best of each other, to let go of past wrongs, to see the needs that they really have, and lift each other up in prayer. And let's start here. It's easiest here. And then let's take it beyond the walls of this church and begin loving our neighbors in a similar way. And being, begin loving our coworkers. Begin loving those that we come across in North Olmstead that look different than us, that act different than us. So that at some point they can maybe arrive at that conclusion to say the only way they can explain the love that they have is that they must be Christians. There's something different about them. And so my challenge is look inward this morning and ask, how am I doing here? What's my motive for the kind things that I do? Is it to be seen of men? Is it that people will, th- will think and to say, man, what a good person they are to do all these good deeds, all these kind things? Or is it because I want to bring glory and honor to the precious name of Christ when I consider all that he did for me? How can I not express my gratitude? And how can I not obey the commands of Scripture as, a, as an expression of my love to him? If you love me, keep my commandments. We don't keep them to earn God's favor. It's been given to us by grace. We, we keep them to express our love for the one who first loved us. That's the challenge this morning, at least for me, as I think of this. How am I doing? Can I tell you, I've been saved for, i got to do the math in my head real quick, 47 years. And I do not love the way that I need to love. There are times I do better than other times. But you know what gets in the way most of the time? It's me. It's what I want. It's self. You've heard me say from this pulpit, the biggest problem in the world today is not what political party is in charge or what the financial crisis of the matter is. The biggest problem in our world today is simply me. It's Steve Williams. That's the biggest problem. That's what the Lord is working on, changing my heart. You heard a missionary, if he came to the conference, stand up here on Wednesday and said, The biggest problem I have is I don't love people the way I need to love people. 
How are you doing with loving others? You know, the biggest way, the best way is to, to die daily to yourself. Again, this was shared during our conference. And, um, you know, the biggest challenge with that, to me, is that word daily. Don't you wish it was a once and for all type thing? I could crucify the flesh and be done with it. But no, I go to sleep and I wake up in the morning and one of the first thoughts is, what do I want to do? What am I going to do today? And I have to bring that into captivity right away and say, no, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Here I am, Lord, reporting for orders. My life is yours. You have purchased it with your shed blood. It belongs to you. What would you have me to do? And so every day we have to start afresh and anew and say, okay, Lord, my life is yours. Help me to be an instrument, a vessel of your love as I leave this place today and live in this world. How are you doing with your love this morning? Does 1 Corinthians 13, is that a description of you, how you operate? Or is there some ground to take? I would imagine if you're like me, you can easily say there's some ground to take here. There are times I do better than, not, than others, but there are other times when the flesh rears its ugly head and it tries to regain control. And I need to crucify that flesh and be guided by the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, Galatians 5.16, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And that great passage goes on to talk about the, the struggle that goes on between the flesh and the Spirit on a daily basis. But Galatians 5.22 begins, will be filled with the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. So because the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of us, we can be instruments of God's love. Do you believe that? Is it evident in your life this morning? If not, we're going to have a time of invitation where we invite you to respond to the message that you've heard today. Not Josh's words, not my words, but the word of God. What has it revealed to you through the Holy Spirit that needs to change in your life today. You cannot do what Brother Josh challenged you to do in your own power. If you try, well, I'm just going to try harder to not be offended, I guarantee you someone's going to pass you in your neighborhood on the way home, and all of a sudden you're just going to, you know, how could they do that? Um, no, we need the Spirit of God to do this. The Christian life is lived in the power of the Spirit, not in the power of the flesh. And we come to grips with that and allow the Lord to, to live through us. It's amazing the things that God can accomplish. This book comes alive in our lives, and it's lived out in our lives because it's the Spirit of God living in us and through us. So this invitation, we invite you to respond, to act on what it is the Holy Spirit has brought to light in your heart today. That's why we have an altar and the altar's open for you to come and pray. Now, I understand you can pray right there in your pew, and maybe you've been doing that through the course of this morning as the Lord has put his finger on something in your life. But there's something important about getting up out of your seat and walking down to this altar and acknowledging before people that you love and care about that the Lord is working on my heart. And I am doing something about that this morning. So let me ask you, Stand to your feet. Bow your heads. And just say, Lord, what would 
this is the, the question. Lord, what would you have me to do based on what I've heard this morning? I realize I don't always love people the way you loved me. And so, Lord, with your help and by your grace, I realize some things need to be changed in my life. I want to be a person of love, a person of charity. I don't want to be controlled by my flesh. Whatever the Lord is speaking to you about this morning in that area, would you say yes to him? If you're here this morning and you have never been forgiven of your sins, maybe you never even thought about that idea. I shared probably the most familiar verse in all the Bible about God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And that word world, you can put your name in right there. For God so loved Steve Williams that he gave his only begotten son. The whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. See, I realized as an 11-year-old boy that I was not good, that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. I thought if I could be good enough, I could earn God's favor, and he would welcome me into, into his home when I left this earth until I realized that I was a sinner, that I had violated God's perfect standard and that I was in trouble. I learned that through the word of God one night in a revival service. And so when the, the preacher went on to share the good news of the gospel, John 3.16, Ephesians or Galatians 2.20, that we read, 1 Corinthians 13, these verses about love, I realized that even though I was a sinner, that God greatly loved me, and he loved me so much he was willing to give. His motive for love was giving. He gave his only son who came to this earth, lived a perfect sinless life, shed his blood on the cross to pay for my sin debt, the sin debt of Steve Williams, as well as your sin debt, making it possible for me to be forgiven of my sin and to be brought back into a right relationship with Almighty God. And, by the way, guaranteed a home in heaven when I breathe my last breath. If that's you this morning and you've never done that, would you just simply acknowledge that, yes, Lord, I am a sinner, I have sinned against you. But I realize how much you love me, so much that you're willing to give your only begotten son to pay for my sin debt. So even though I may not fully understand it, by faith I trust Jesus and what he did on the cross as payment complete and in full for my sins. And in doing so, I ask him to be my savior. Would you do that this morning? The altar is open. As we begin to sing here in a moment, I'll be at the front of the, this, this podium. You can meet me here and say, Steve, I realize I need to ask Jesus to be my Savior. And we'll have someone take a Bible and show you what the Word of God says about what I've already explained to make sure that as best as you're able, you can understand not what man says, but what God's Word says. And you can be gloriously born again and able to love like what Brother Josh shared this morning. Father, thank you for your word.